Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast and another episode of the Share Your Story series. I'm so excited to dive into today's conversation. Uh, The educator we are going to be talking with is is a newer educator to me. We just recently connected, but I am so excited to dive into uh, his story, his mission, his passion, and it is none other than Dr. Jeff Springer. So, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Lindsay. I'm excited. I've been listening to your podcast. I've become a, a great fan, so I'm just excited to be on as a guest. Oh, I so appreciate it. You know, this kind of we started last January or this this past January, just coming up on a year, and it's you know it's one of those things that really started as as a hobby. We really started as kind of just a project. Like you know, I was the girl that grew up not knowing her voice, not having a voice. Um, actually hiding my voice. And it was one of those things like, could I actually have a podcast? Like, do I actually have enough to say? And those thoughts themselves were enough for me to be like, yes, <laughs> we're doing this. And so I'm so excited to, you know, really the last few months have educators on because I, I truly believe that learning is circular. I learn from you and you learn from me. And that's whether I'm talking to an adult to a parent, to a student. And so any chance I get to hear from educators, it's just beyond exciting. So I would love, Jeff, if you could share with the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and kind of answering that question of, you know, who is uh, Dr. Jeff Springer? (laughs) Well, I heard some, I can't remember what podcast it was, but I I heard someone describe themselves as a recovering principal, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm a repurposed high school principal. So that, that's my word is repurpose. I told, I don't use that, uh, the word retired a whole lot. And, and so, so five years ago, 2016, I repurposed into uh, my next journey. But after 34 years in education, I was a teacher and a coach and um, an assistant principal, an associate principal. And then my last 14 years, I was a high school at the Magnolia High School in Magnolia, Texas, which is um, north of Houston and um, so very cool I love that I love that repurpose I you know I I'm someone I so I've been in the field for 15 years and I've had I think I've lost count I've, I've worked at maybe eight different places mm-hmm. and you know again I've had people like oh you job hop and I never looked at it that way because to me there was a purpose for me starting and leaving each of those journeys and, you know, I think it's just, it's our journey, right? It's your journey and, and we get to define what that looks like. And so I love that. And I can only imagine the wealth of experience you have among all of those different roles um, in, you know, in those. And so since, you know, leaving the, the quote unquote traditional school practice, um, what have, I'd love to hear more about what you've been doing. Um, Cause I know you have, you have a business and you, you know, I would love to hear more about um, all that you're doing with that. Yeah. Well, I, I have never been able to do one thing at a time. And so even as the high school principal, I was on staff at part-time uh, as on, 
at a church as a minister of men and also um, a founder of a nonprofit ministry for, for men as well, but focusing specifically on dads. So not only bivocational, I guess there's a such thing as a as tribe vocational. But then when I repurposed, I thought, well, now I'm going to have time to really focus on my nonprofit. Um, but I went to work full time on staff at the church, but, and then uh, for a couple of years and at this, but then I had an opportunity to kind of put one foot back into education as a consultant. So I created an LLC. And so, um, so I'm still on staff part time at the church. I still have the nonprofit, but now I also have and uh, consult educational consulting or coaching LLC called spring strategies. And so, uh, and on top of all of that, I didn't start my doctorate till age 57 and I'd graduated, uh, this past, the day that they shut everything down in Houston, March 11th, I actually defended that morning. So at age 61, I became Dr. Springer. So it was unfinished business. And so that's all part of this, uh, repurposing this and I, I tell people all the time that I was getting ready for my roaring 60s and so um, so I've got I still have work to do and uh, my wife thinks I'm busier than I was when I was a high school principal and that may be the truth I don't know well congratulations that is awesome um, I am that that is awesome and it's it's so I think it, I think it's just encouraging right if you have a goal like it, it, there's no, there's no limit, right? That it truly is the sky's the limit. And so, you know, I think often, you know, I'll even hear this from students and it breaks my heart. Like, well, I can't, I can't do that. Like it, like my time has passed. I'm talking to seniors and I'm like, what, you know, and I'll have these conversations and I'm like, let's talk about this. And we really open up that, that, you know, that, that box, so to speak, that conversation, because if you want it, like there's, there's ways to get it. And an age, age is just a, an excuse if we let it really, because I think we can really do anything we want at any point. Well, I, f I felt like it was unfinished business and it was something that I, I think that was always kind of on the back burner, but, uh, it, and truthfully, I would recommend that you don't wait till you're 57 to get your doctorate. And, it, and, um, it was one of the hardest things that, you know, um, that I've ever done, but also one of the most rewarding. Um, I'm still transitioning out of the dissertation mode. You know, I'm still thinking, uh, it's not like I can't fill that time with something else because uh, I do a good job of that. But I, it's one of those things where I can't believe, I don't know how I did it with all the things that were going, that are going, you know, but uh, I think it was good timing. I got it out of the way before this pandemic. <laughs> I mean, and um, a lot of other other things, but uh, yeah, I just is in transformational leadership is my focus. It's a it's a doctorate in education, transformational leadership, and I love everything about you know leading and leadership, and and of course moving people to to transform their prior beliefs and premises and so forth, and um, and so that carries over in everything that we we do, whether it's ministry or or business or school. So I love that and. I think I think there's 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 some irony. You finished in March. I started my admin classes in May. <laughs> I was like, we got time. Why not? Here we go. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm four classes in, so I am. I'm excited. I'm gonna finish in the summer. And then uh, two, my long term goal is to pursue my doctorate. Not not so long term, um, but definitely in the next you know couple years. And then, so this was kind of my starting point. And then I'll and then I'll kind of add use these credits to keep moving forward. Um, but something else you mentioned, I love that you you brought up the word transformational because 
I, so I do a lot with behavior. I'm a behavior analyst mm -hmm. by trade. And I, I always go back to that word that it's not about behavior management. It's not about classroom management. You know, and I think it's even deeper than classroom leadership. You know, I think it really truly is about like student transformation mm -hmm. and truly transforming behavior. And so I just love that, that word because I think it is like that next level, right? I think I learned management. I've now stepped into leadership and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm edging to get to like, but how do we truly transform what we're doing in our classrooms or in our yeah, schools? Yeah. One of my favorite uh, books that we read early on in a coursework for adult learning um, was in transformation was Mesro, Jack Mesro. And he, 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 just, he defines transformation as um, true transformation happens when there's a crisis or a dilemma in your thinking that, or start a questioning of your, your current premises. You know, these, this thing, these things that we carry with us, these belief systems that sometimes we carry with us our whole life. And then we go, Oh my gosh, there's an, there is, there is more than one way to, to think about this. And, um, so you're able to add new meaning when, and that's and when you're able to see new meaning, that's when that learning takes place. And so that, that's obviously, that's what we try to do in our, in the classroom mm -hmm. is to try to, to move those volunteer learners to, um, you know, to transformation. So. Yeah, I love it. And I think it, it also really resonates that, you know, you know, transformation, it, it is a journey. Like you mentioned, like we start at one place, and then we move. And I think so many times, you know, I, I hear from teachers or I hear from staff, you know, they're so dependent on me. They're not independent yet. And I'm like, and why is that a bad thing? You know, I'm like, why do we automatically jump that it's a bad thing instead of just saying, this is where they're at. Now, how am I going to get them one step further? How am I going to bridge that gap between dependence and independence? Because I think so quickly we want to say that there's something wrong. And, and I threw that word out a long time ago. I don't go to right or wrong, good or bad. It's just what is. And so I often will say that. So, you know, tell me why that's bad or tell me why you think that's not okay. And it opens up for conversation, which for me is like my go-to strategy. It's open the door to have the conversation. You could find out so many things. And so I just think that makes so much sense, you know, really spinning that to leadership um, mm -hmm. and doing that too with staff. Yeah, I, I enjoyed your the one of the podcasts I listened to. You talked about your behavior biases, mm -hmm. you know, which to me is that transform. You have that aha, you know, that moving to the beyond your that mindset, that, you know, and um, and in, in 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 my dissertation was on the perception of play in secondary schools by secondary leaders and how does it. What is what is play's role in uh, creating a positive culture? Because there's a huge gap between preschool and 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 um, you know and in upper level in high school. Because I guess a lot of times because of uh, high stakes testing and and core curriculum and have to be on this page by this time and and so it squeezes out all of that creativity, innovation, you know imagination and when i talk about play i'm not really talking about playfulness i'm talking about you know what uh what is your passion your purpose your uh you know your your interest and so forth and we just sometimes it seems like we squeeze some of that out and i'm a secondary person 
And um, so there's so there's an acronym that I use play for, and we use this in my consulting. Is P stands for people. Who are your people? L stands for love. You know, how do you love them, and how do they know that you love them? And um, and then the, the third one is really kind of what we're talking about right now with this behavior bias and uh, transformation is acknowledge. What is it that you need to acknowledge? And you talk. I think you talked about that too. And uh, uh, your AC, uh, your act uh, awareness, and and um, I can't, oh, gosh, I'm stuck. But but I've got I, that awareness, that that acknowledgement piece is so important. What is it? Who do you acknowledge? What do you acknowledge? And what do you need to acknowledge that you're not? And so you can move forward and create a plan you know, to move forward. And, um, and if we don't, then we just get stuck. And then the last one is what really makes me smile. I can hardly say the word without smiling. And that's yearn. What does it make? What, what's your passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Why do you do what you do? So people love, acknowledge, yearn. And if you essentially do those four things, you play. And, uh, and so we try to create those kind of things. And uh, we start off with individual executive coaching and we, you know, we kind of survey, uh, those four areas and questions derived for each one of those. And that's kind of our starting point uh, of where we go in our coaching. Uh, and typically acknowledge is the one that on the surface looks like it's the probably, Oh, I got this, but it's the one that's probably the deepest and most neglected area. Yeah. I think it really is, you know, in my, in my whole inner work. So really over the last two, three years, that's been my, my main goal. And you know, really that's what Define You stands for is, is figuring out who you are. And a big piece of that was I, I was willing to, you know, I was aware of where I was. I was aware that I was having these negative thoughts and, and I knew where I wanted to get to. I was ready to say, okay, that's what I want. But I wasn't, it took me so long to be able to say, to, to, to do exactly what you just said, acknowledge where I'm at today. Because anytime I tried to say that, you know, there was this negative, negative tone, negative, you know, connotation to it because I wanted to be somewhere different. And I think until I could learn to look in the mirror and love the person I saw, no matter what, once I did that, that then everything changed. Then I was able to rediscover that passion and that purpose. And, and I love that. I love all that play stands for, because the question I was going to ask you is, did you find, or, or do you find you know, with secondary specifically, even just it's that it's that definition we have of what play is, you know, you, you envision yeah. the preschoolers on the ground with the blocks, right? And then you get that immediate, we can't do that in secondary, right? Yeah. And so that shifting of the mindset of what play really gets to be. Yeah, that really is um, the, the struggle is, um, you know, again, we don't have we don't have time for that. We um, and, and but Really, I tell people all the time, I never really went to work a day in my life because my work was play. And so uh, it's, the, it's the engagement. So we talk about uh, ultimately what we want is engagement, but the vehicle is, is play. And so, um, and it's, you know, we talk about, there's organizational play that includes, you know, collaboration, you know, empowerment. Um, you know, so all of these things, you know, recognition of talent and ideas and a culture of risk taking, that's all, that's all play that doesn't stifle the, you know, imagination. It's, it's almost as if play is, you know, I, I always say that pl 
our play is only uh, as big as your sandbox. <laughs> and if your sandbox is small, then you, there's, you know, and there's a lot of urgency and, you know, and a lot of peril in, in your culture, then there's not going to, there's not going to be play. And if there's not play, there's not going to be engagement. I love it. I love it so much. So this is where, you know, this is all that you're doing now. I mean, you've been doing it for years. I'm sure, I'm sure this has been just a lifelong <laughs> part of who you are, because I even believe we, we are educators before we step foot into our first classroom, because I believe that that excitement and that passion starts um, before that, before that day. So I would love to know, you know, if there's any one person or people or, or uh, what maybe was an experience that really inspired you to go into the field of education. Mm. Well, I have, I admire teachers so much. I had a seventh grade teacher named Miss Fortenberry, who honestly, she taught me Texas uh, history. I, I can't, I sometimes seem kind of there's probably some teachers out there that cringe when I say this. I really can't remember what she taught me. <laughs> what I remember is how she made me feel. And I felt really smart in her class. And of all the teachers, why would I remember her? And, and she made, you know, again, I felt smart. I felt like I can do it. And I wanted to uh, perform in her class and do my, you know, and do, my, you know, my very best. I had lots of coaches that, you know, you know, coaching, you know, you, you spend a lot of time with, you know, coaches you know, more than the classroom teacher a lot of times in bus trips and, you know, in the locker room and all kinds of times off the field, on the field. Um, so that was a lot of great influences there. I was actually, Lindsay, I was actually a social work major in college. And uh, I started off as a social work major. And I think what happened, fortunately, I was able to get into some upper level classes and I wasn't supposed to. And I realized that, that yeah, I have a heart, but maybe not uh, the stomach for some of social work. And I thought, um, education is, so, is social work. I mean, and why don't I do something that, and honestly, the door that, uh, that brought me into teaching was my, in Texas, coaching is huge. And so that was the, you know, that kind of got my foot in the door. But when, once I found, and I've heard several people say this, I have a good friend. Well, you know, Mark Horner tells mm -hmm. a similar story. Coaching got us in, teaching kept us there. And it was, um, I fell in love with the classroom. And so it wasn't that I grew up, you know, out of the crib wanting to be a teacher or educator or a principal. I'm not sure anybody really dreams about being a principal. I just, I think it just evolves. It just happens. Funny story. I was invited to speak on career day at another high school and about what it means to be a principal and how do you become a principal. And they called me about two days before the event. You know, they had all invited all different types of people. And I'm thinking, first of all, I'm surprised they asked me. They had a building principal right there. But anyway, so two days before they called me and they said, well, Jeff, we don't, you don't have to come. And I said, why? And she said, nobody signed up for that. <laughs> nobody wants to be a principal. Nobody, that's not their, their first goal. That might be the ultimate goal eventually down the road in the career path, so to speak. But, but anyway, it's not like being a fireman or a policeman or, you know, whatever. But um, anyway, I love the kids in the classroom, the kids that just walked through the door that maybe needed you even more than the, you know, your kids that you coached. And um, 
you know, you end up with, you know, lifelong relationship. And, you know, once a Springer kid, they're always a Springer kid. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'm 61 years old. I have, I have, I have two former students. One was, one is the president of my nonprofit and he's, he'll be 40, he's 49 actually today, Mark Martinez. I coached him and, and I have hired him twice. Once as a, once as a coach on my staff and now as my president of suit up ministries and then um i have another former student who's a lot younger she's only 26 and she just finished her master's and she for a stint was my president of my my consulting so um so you know that's the payoff of education that's the you know the priceless you know eternal um you know why we really what we why we do this and why we yeah absolutely and you know, when you were talking about, you know, the, the, your, the seventh grade teacher, right? And you're like, I, don't, I can't really remember a specific thing, but it's a feeling. And I think that's so important because, you know, that was, that was me too. For me, it was second grade. And I, again, I really don't remember much of second grade. It was a long time ago. But what I remember is I had just moved from Canada to, to New York. And I had a pretty strong Canadian accent. And, and kids, they weren't the nicest. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, you know, that's really when I kind of stopped talking. So I was like, well, if I don't talk, you can't make fun of me, right? And and the teacher quickly, uh, Miss Egan, she quickly figured out why I was hiding, why I was quiet, why I didn't want to talk. And she was okay with that. She came up with another way and she'd have me write things down or she'd come have me you know, whisper in her ear. And mm-hmm. through the year, I felt safe to open up. I, I started opening up a little bit more. Um, but it's not that I can say, you know, that, that second grade lesson on word families was what did it for me. But it was, it was the feeling of love and compassion and trust that, you know, and I didn't really know anybody. I it was brand new. And, and she just literally kind of took me under her wing and that, that was it for me. I was like, that's it. And, you know, I'm not in the classroom now. And actually in the classroom, I realized this isn't for me, you know, education. Yes. But, but in the classroom, no. And I've been so blessed to have so many different opportunities come my way. And I think, you know, we, we get to be that for our kids. And I just posted it the other day because I bought a sign from my own office that says, you know, you never know who you're inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I hold on to that because in those toughest days, we don't see that. We hold on to those tough moments, those challenges. But, you know, now I want that front and center that I don't know who I'm inspiring, but I know I'm inspiring someone as is every single educator listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, right here, right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I just think that's so, I think that's so important. Um, when we think about, obviously, you know, I just mentioned days are tough. <laughs> We're, you know, I mean, I think every, every beginning of the year is tough. Every beginning of the year has challenges. This one has new challenges for us. Um, we're learning new things. I feel like I'm learning something new every single day. Um, and so I really think resonating into our why is, is crucial. It's, it's my anchor. It's what I anchor into on those tough days. I have it posted in my office. I, I even at the beginning of the year posted it in my car um, because I needed that reminder before I went in, like, why am I doing this? And I would love to hear a little bit about your, you know, personal mission um, as an educator, because I still believe that you are, you're still educating everybody um, and what that personal mission is for you right now. Yeah. You know, on those tough days, Lindsay, as the high school principal, I had the, the luxury of sneaking out of my office and walking down the hall. And um, usually I would find myself 
in in the choir room or some or band hall or or one of the classrooms where I knew you know just to get to keep in contact to remind myself the why you know and to to see the the amazing work that our teachers and our kids are doing um, you know not every not every job has that or career has that that benefit to be able to see. Uh, I mean, all you got to do is just look, you know, have to be intentional, but sometimes we forget and we get blinders and, you know, again, we're not, we're not, we're, we're conscientious about ourselves sometimes, but not outward. But, um, you know, my, my, uh, one of the things we did at Magnolia High School toward, you know, I was there again, 14 years, it was very important to me that if we were going to be a school of eminence, we were going to reach that point where every single kid, there was a belief that every single kid that walked in our building needed to know three things. And they were three things they heard every single day from their principal. And that number one, that they were valuable. Number two, that they were complete. And number three, that they were loved. And it became a hashtag VCL. Matter of fact, I have kids to this day that on Facebook or whatever, they'll hashtag VCL. It was t-shirts. It became its own animal on every social media. So every day they would hear me close the announcement. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be a Magnolia Bulldog where every single student and teacher is valuable, complete, and loved. And that kind of that thing that you were talking about where you don't always get the feedback, you don't really, you don't know if you're making a difference. I can't tell you how many times kids would come up to me. I remember this one time this girl came up and she was almost in tears. And she said, Mr. Springer, when, when I, I said, are you okay? This was in between class and she, you know, and I could tell that, you know, she was a little emotional. She said, I just want you to know that when I hear you say those words, um, it just makes me feel good because I don't get to, I don't hear those things all the time at home. You know, I had to come to school to hear those words. And so uh, it's kind of like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. We had our own hierarchy, you know, again, beyond, beyond the food shelter, you know, and water, they needed to know those three things or we weren't going to be a family. We talk, always talked about being a family. So you had to, you had to have, take care of the needs first. Then you become that family and you become that family and you become excellent and you become eminent by, by kids believing that, I mean, they don't care how much knowledge, you know, as a teacher, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with teen leadership and capturing kids hard, but they talk about, you know, the fact that, uh, it's a course and curriculum, you know, they don't, t- kids don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And, and, um, and so that was consistent. And, um, you know, again, it's a great day to be alive and you are valuable, complete and, and loved. And now in certain audiences, I would explain in more detail what those three things meant. You know, what is it, you know, valuable and love and pretty self-explanatory. The complete one is one that, that you, you're not done but you have what it takes. You have everything inside you to, you know, and, and it's our job to cultivate that and to grow that. But you come here with it. You have it. It's up to us as teachers to pull it out, you know, and to groom it and to encourage it. But you are complete. You lack nothing. And um, so I think those are th- that those contributed those three things contributed to uh, hopefully that when people walked through the, our building, they felt something different that we, we want, I wanted to be a public school that was no, different than any other public school. And we were going to say those things and we were going to be different. Um, so, so that it, I would say that's probably, that is definitely my why and my, my mission. Um, and hopefully that's something that I'm, that's hope. Um, hopefully that sticks with him 
as when they become mothers and dads and, you know, and in, and whatever field they go to go in, um, that they were reminded of those things. They'll remember those words. If nobody else, even if nobody else tells them. I, I got to say, when you said, you know, I've heard valuable before, I've heard love, but hearing you say complete, like I got goosebumps because, and it brought me back to high school and high school for me was tough. <laughs> I, I did not like high school um, except for, so I was a swimmer. Uh, well, I was a three, three season athlete, but swimming was my, was my, my, my domain. That's where I felt most comfortable. Um, and, and I, I don't think I could tell you one teacher I had in high school, but I can tell you my coach and I can tell you all about my swim coach. who was my coach for four years. Um, he was like, ultimately my, my dad at school. Like that was, you know, it was that much of a close relationship and at, in the pool is where I felt at home. It's where I felt complete. And I just remember walking the halls of high school feeling, am I enough? Am I ever going to be enough? Am I, can I ever do enough? And I love that you said, it's not that they aren't, you know, they're not missing anything. Nobody is, even right now, everybody is complete. You have, I love how you said that you have what you need. There isn't, there isn't anything you can do to prove your value. You're, it's, it's there. And it doesn't mean we don't grow. It doesn't mean we don't evolve. It doesn't mean we don't transform. But it doesn't mean that, or it means that when we do those things, it's because that's, that's the next level of us. That's who we get to become. Mm -hmm. But in order to become someone, we have to love who we are now. Mm -hmm. we, love, we have to love who we can be, right? Who we are. And I just, I haven't heard that word like in that context. And I, you know, if we can get that into our, into our students' minds at, at that age, even earlier, you know, I just, that's what gets me so excited for, you know, future generations. Um, you know, I, I see in my daughter, I'm a six year old and, and she talks, you know, like I talk as an adult sometimes, you know, we do gratitude practice, we do mindset, we do all of these things. And because I want her to know she is, she's valuable. We do affirmations in the mirror and we talk about things and I have her explain it. And she says, mom, it's weird. I go, it's okay. Just do it. Like, <laughs> and he's like, if you can get this, like, if you can truly love who you are, Man, you, like nothing is, you can't, you can't be stopped. Oh, I love it. Um, man, I'm like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we've covered, I mean, the, the last question I really like to talk about is like, what advice do you have for, for teachers, for leaders? And I know we've already given so many amazing things. So whether it's, whether it's teachers or leaders or maybe, maybe one for each, like what is your go-to kind of like, advice that you provide to people um, to just kind of keep them motivated to keep moving forward? Yeah, I, I think it's so important that teachers remember um, that they, that they are, that they do make a difference. That they are, you know, again, and they need to, I, it's important that administrators share that with teachers because uh, they need to hear it from someone. They need to be reminded. I, I, one of the things I love to do is I tell my, my fellow principals that are still in the, the business, still in the people business that um, if, if their staff needs reminded from someone different other than you, then bring me in for 30 minutes before a faculty meeting as an, as an outside in to remind them 
you know, because sometimes, sometimes no matter what we do as it becomes the Charlie Brown syndrome, you know, you know, wah, 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 even though it's good, it's the right words, you know, it's in it, you're, you're authentic and you have a relationship, but it's like, well, yeah, let's, you know, like for me, that's what they would expect Springer to say, because that's who I am, you know, but they also, but they need, maybe they need confirmation, you know, or, or affirmation from another source. So figuring out how to, to keep that real and keep that like, so, but give yourself a break and know that uh, what you do is, um, there's no other career like it. You know, I always remind people that are in education that there's not very many uh, careers where your, your product is also uh, your customer. And um, we're not on an assembly line, you know, we're not, you know, you know, nothing wrong with those careers and those professions, but we are in the people business. Uh, and, um, you know, and everybody, every kid has a different story. And I would just say, be, uh, be mindful or practice mindfulness and, you know, be aware of, of don't just uh, teach curriculum, teach kids. In high school, that's, you know, a lot of times we are our discipline sometimes, you know, that we teach and not our subject and not in, uh, and I see a lot of that uh, lack of, you know, acknowledgement for need for nurturing sometimes. And, you know, high school kids, they, they're just little kids in big bodies. And, um, you know, just like men, we're kids in old bodies. And um, so, uh, so give us a break, but, you know, so, Come on, we're just little boys and um, that are a lot older. But so uh, I would, you know, I even encourage uh, parents at, at freshman orientation that be, in, be as involved the next four years with your high schoolers as you are by your presence here today, because everybody wants to come to freshman orientation. But, but if they have younger siblings, now the focus typically goes to the younger siblings because they've made it. To high school. Well, these high school kids, and I'm a high school guy, they need you just as much as they've ever, and in some, in some cases, they have a funny way of telling it or showing it, but they need you even more. And uh, it's so sad, it breaks my heart that some, some of those parents I won't see again until graduation. For, you know, and some of these kids are involved in everything, and nobody comes to watch them play, and nobody come, you know, and they come, but yet they are, they are resilient and they come to school every day, but they still need you as the teacher. And you may be the only voice. You may be the only one that they see all day long that looks at them uh, in, you know, in the eyes and, and loves them. Yeah. I, I and I think it, it goes right along too with, we don't know, you know, you only know what someone's willing to show or what someone's willing to tell. And, you know, I think we, it, it can become, especially with high school students. And again, I, I put myself back in high school. I was able to, to fake it through high school. I, you know, I had a lot going on. I had tough things at home. Um, you know, things weren't, you know, I had, I had my own mental health challenges going on and I knew how to hide it. I knew how to, to, to push it down. I knew how to, you know, hide it from people because I wasn't ready to, to share that. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, really it was my swim coach that brought things to my attention that I was able to talk with him about it. And I was able to do that. Um, but we don't always see that. And so it does, it comes out sometimes in not the nicest ways or not the most, you know, quote unquote, expected ways for school. And, 
I rest on uh, something that ultimately I think I learned the first first time from Brian Mendler, but listen to what people are saying, not how they're saying it. And, you know, really understand the message. And then we can help help the the how, you know, down the road, but listen to them. If they're hurting, provide that basic need, provide that care and compassion. And I just think, you know, I, I that's that's really what I was resonating with what you're saying, that, you know, meet the students and just, you know, again, not letting age dictate the level of compassion you, you can share to a student. You know, high schoolers need it too. Yeah, and I, and I would say very quickly that to teachers that are in that, maybe in that in that rut or, you know, again, questioning their their value and their, their worth as a teacher, to go through that, that quick, that acronym of play quickly. Who are your people? So in other words, surround yourself with the people that care about your journey. You know, we all need our team, you know, uh, who, who's in your inner circle, have an inner circle, identify who your people are, love your people. You know, one of my, one of the famous coaches, Lou Holtz talks about, there's only three things that matter on earth is who you love, who loves you and what you did when you were here on this earth. And so, so do they know you love them? You know, do, do you, you know, and then acknowledge what is it you need to acknowledge. We talked about that and that's very important. Uh, pain, sorrow, not just celebration, uh, to make a plan to move forward and then reconnect with why you decided to do this in the first place. What do you yearn for? What's your passion? So pe people love, acknowledge, yearn, play. And so, um, Again, I think that 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 will draw sometimes draw you back, uh, and we all go through those seasons. Everybody goes through those seasons. I love it. Oh, so so good. I, I love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Oh my goodness. Um, so, if listeners um, are not connected with you yet and want to connect with you, how or where is the best place that they can do that? Well, they can. I'm on Twitter. It's at Cultivating Play. Um, our tagline is Cultivating Playful Entrepreneurs. That's our, uh, on the website. So, in the website is CultivatingPlay.org. www.CultivatingPlay.org. Uh, and then my email is simply Jeff at CultivatingPlay.org. So, pretty easy. Perfect. And I will list those in the show notes as well. Um, Jeff, thank you so much. I have, I have learned a ton. I have a page full of notes. Um, I, I, like I said, I learned so much through these episodes and I'm so grateful to you for coming on today and sharing your story with us. Well, thank you, Lindsay. I've enjoyed listening to you and again, it's honored to be on your show. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and listeners, thank you. Um, if you love this episode as much as we loved recording it for you, go ahead, subscribe, rate and review and share it out on social media um, and go ahead and tag us in it. We would love to see that. And we love, um, you know, we love having it, having it shared out. So thank you so much. And until next week, everyone have an awesome week ahead and we'll talk soon.